Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, in anticipation of this fall's election, the Confluence cast is endeavoring to introduce Columbus voters to the 12 council and two mayoral candidates in their own words. Today, Nick Bankston, incumbent candidate for Columbus City Council District 5, discusses what brought him to public service, how he thinks about policy changes, and the importance of tax incentives for economic development. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here with Columbus City Councilman Nick Bankston, who is also candidate for District 5 of Columbus City Council. Nick, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Tim. Absolutely. Uh, I start all these interviews the same way. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what brings you to your candidacy, or rather your seat. Yeah, well, first, uh, let me thank you for uh, doing this and, and taking the time. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important for voters to get to know uh, who they're voting for and who also is serving them. Uh, but yeah, Nick Bankston, um, I am a son of Columbus, born and raised uh, here in the city. Uh, Columbus City Schools, a kid, uh, Cassidy Elementary, okay. Arts Impact Middle School, off to East High School, which is the best high school <laughs> in the city. Okay. Um, uh, and then, you know, uh, also my college career, uh, ended up getting my BA from Ohio State University uh, and have dedicated, you know, my entire both public um, and private life to public service. Um, you know, this is a city that uh, shaped me. And so I feel like um, it is my duty really to give back to it. Uh, also a proud uh, father of Xavier Kamal Bankston. He just turned two mm-hmm. uh, on July 1st. Uh, and of course, my favorite title of all is husband to Habiba Bankston, uh, who's our executive director of Dress for Success. Uh, and, you know, we uh, love this city um, and love serving uh, this city in multiple capacities. And so I've worked uh, in different capacities, both on campaign side of politics, the official side, working uh, in government, both county government and city government. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, now I currently serve. Uh, the community at Gladden Community House uh, as president and CEO there, uh, where we work every single day uh, to empower families uh, and to strengthen families through youth development, home, uh, youth development, housing and family stabilization uh, and senior outreach. So really making an impact on the entire life cycle. Uh, and so for me, it's really about what it comes down to is that this isn't about politics for me. It's personal. Uh, and it's personal because this is my home. You know, I'm raising my son here, and I want to make sure uh, that we are shaping a city that is more equitable, that's more sustainable, and that's worthy of his generation. And so often, uh, we look at the challenges that we f- see in front of us and think that um, it's only the folks that are in here and now that we have to solve those for. But really, it's the next generation that we have to be thinking about. So when we think about the issues that we face as a city, uh, housing, uh, crime, education, um, that we have to tackle those. But the decisions that we make today will impact folks 20 and 30 years from now. Um, and so for me, I take that very serious. 
uh, and I feel like uh, I'm prepared. You know, I want to continue the work that we've been doing. Got elected to uh, city council back in uh, 2021, so I started in 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm fresh in, mm-hmm. uh, and still, and you already got to run again. Yeah, and and and, <laughs> and excited about the work, right? And and, and what we're doing, and so. Um, it is my love for this city. Uh, it is my belief that government can make a difference and must serve its people. Uh, and my belief that um, government also um, is local government, let me say that, uh, is the way that we can make an impact uh, in our communities. And so I'm really excited to sit down with you today uh, and to just and to chat more about that journey. Can you talk me through what brought you into service? Like, what was it something at East High School? Was it something when you were at Ohio State that sort of brought you into uh, this journey? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting pathway. Uh, so I come from a family of both blue-collar workers and public servants. So my stepmother, uh, who raised me, um, mm-hmm. uh, worked for Job and Family Services, okay. the County Job and Family Services. Um, and saw her love for this community. She also started off uh, at, before working in Job and Family Services as an organizer uh, in the uh, Near East Side. And so seeing her love and passion uh, for the community has always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad, who uh, literally has worked two jobs his entire life, he worked at Carl Brown IGA, uh, which is, was on Mount Vernon, it's no longer there, mm-hmm. um, and then also at Airborne Express. And so the values of hard work, uh, of dedication, or as my dad would say, make sure you get you a job with benefits, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, stick with me and really were guiding me. But one thing that they did is we voted in every election. Okay. Uh, my dad, and back then, this shows my age a little bit, back then you had the booths and you got to close the curtain mm-hmm. and go in. And my dad would take us and would let us push the button and everything and, and really instilled in us, whether he knew it or not, this duty, this civic duty. Uh, right now, my dad wasn't the I'm at every community meeting guy or anything mm-hmm. like that. But he made it very clear to us the importance of voting and how government, you know, um, plays a role in your life. Um, and so for me, that's really what guided me. And then I would say in uh, high school, I had a great mentor, uh, the late Miss Martha Howe, who was my band director. And she instilled in us that everything that we did, we did for three reasons. It was first for God because he gave you life and gave you the talents Two, at that point, because I was in the March man, it was for East or, okay. for, or what she would say, that means your community. Mm-hmm. And then finally yourself. And so she uh, really imparted in me the importance that we, that we are part of something bigger mm-hmm. and that we all have a mark that we'll leave uh, in this life. And it's up to us to figure out how we want to do that. And so I would say, you know, that is really what compelled me to, to think about public service. Now, I will tell you, um, I said, oh, that's great, but I'm going to go to college because I want to make some money. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so I started off uh, at Ohio Dominican University, actually, and my goal was to be in business management. Uh, and that was my major. Mm-hmm. But at um, Ohio Dominican, one of the requirements is that you take philosophy. Okay. Uh, and so I took my first philosophy course and fell in love with it. And I think that is really what propelled me to think about um, structures and how people think in different perspectives uh, and how you can value those and how those, you know, shape our, our world, really. 
And so that's where I end up moving my uh, major to philosophy. Hmm. Um, but for me, it's always been this something down inside of me uh, that tells you that you don't get here by yourself. We all have a community center. We all have a teacher. We all have a parent or someone uh, that has propelled us. And so for me, it was something that was always down the inside um, that I believe, because um, I'm a deep man of faith, mm-hmm. uh, that God had called me to be. Like, I don't think that he gave me this boisterous voice and all <laughs> these abilities uh, to only go, you know, use them for myself. Talk us through some of the issues you think uh, Columbus faces and how council and you specifically in your role as a councilman uh, address those or would address those. Yeah, you know, I would say there's one overarching issue that right impacts the other ones that I wanted to talk about, um, and that's growth. Okay. You know, it is our single uh, biggest opportunity, but it also is our biggest pain point. Uh, with growth comes uh, challenges, but also with growth comes great opportunities, and we see it all around us. We're the fastest growing city in the Midwest, one of the only growing cities in the state. Uh, we continue to be an economic uh, juggernaut of this state, driving uh, the economy, and all of that is great, but what comes with that is pressure, right, mm-hmm. on all the other issues that we see uh, happening. Housing, for instance, uh, viol- violent crime and crime, Um, And then I would say the other big piece of that is um, transportation and education. Um, And so, you know, what we have to do in this uh, and how we address those as a council is really looking at how do we think forward about policy changes, right? There is no initiative per se or just a simple program that is going to get us uh, out of some of these situations. So we have to start thinking about policy because we're not only – managing the growth with the current but we're talking about how do we shape a city for a million more people Mm -hmm. that are going to be here and so how is this delicate balance of you know what we do for our current residents but also setting the stage for that continued growth that is going to to happen Um, and so when around around housing i think it's really clear and i'm really proud of the work uh, that me and my colleagues have done around changing our cra which is our community reinvestment uh, area policies around affordable housing to ensure that we are having affordable units as we're building the city, not thinking about it, um, you know, 10 years from now, like, oh, we don't don't have any affordable housing here, but making sure that it is a part of the fabric of every development uh, that goes around the city, if you want, of course, any type of incentive from the city. Uh, And so now, if you develop um, any uh, in a CRA area, and you want the tax abatement that comes with that, mm-hmm. and in multifamily, uh, it has to have affordable units at 80% uh, AMI and um, 60% AMI, depending on the parts of the city. And in other parts of the city, it's 100% AMI or and 80% AMI. Forgive me, AMI. So AMI is the area median income. Okay. Um, so that's the average income of. Uh, the city, uh, okay. well, in our case, in, of a metro area. Um, and so it's important to have that diversity of mix because what we're talking about is building housing for folks that are working. Mm-hmm. This housing crisis right now is not just impacting uh, folks uh, who uh, you know, are poorer residents, right, who don't have any income. It's also impacting working folks, mm-hmm. folks that mom who's making fifty to $70,000 a year but can't find 
not just an affordable place, but a place of quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we have to make sure that as we're developing the city and we're trying to keep up with that demand, that we have those type of units set aside. Uh, one of the other things that I'm really proud of um, that we've done, because when we think about the growth of the city, naturally the word that comes to mind when folks think about that is gentrification. Hmm. Um, and how do you manage that um, and make sure that our neighborhoods, the fabric of our neighborhoods, the folks that have been there are able to stay there um, and that they're not pushed out uh, is through making sure that when single family homes are even built, that there's affordability tied to that. And I'm proud of that because uh, post 2016, there was no affordability requirement mm-hmm. for the CRA, right? And before Councilmember Favors, who chairs our housing committee, before her work, uh, this past year, there was no affordability requirement for single-family homes, hmm. right? And so that's where, the, when I say the policies that we do, set the stage for what happens 20 or 30 years from now. Uh, one of the biggest things that's always top of mind, I think, for any leader should be safety and the mm-hmm. safety of our residents. And so really we're investing in you know our young folks, making sure that they have uh, what they need and access to opportunities to keep them safe over the summer and out of school time. Uh, but also making sure that we're doing what we can to hold our police officers uh, accountable, uh, to make sure that we have a police force that is really focused on safety mm-hmm. uh, and making sure that that safety is for all residents in the community. And so really uh, proud that we have um, a police chief who is not who was not a Columbus police officer for the first time in our city's history mm-hmm. and making some really sweeping changes there. But that, that kind of change takes time. Um, but I truly believe that in order for us to tackle our safety issues, we have to be in community again. We have to know our neighbors. We have to get out uh, and love each other again and love each other from a humanity standpoint. I think so much of what we see is that we have lost that, right? It's that we don't uh, appreciate the humanness, even though we may have differences, even though we may disagree we're still a part of the human race. And I think that if we can infuse some of that love back into our culture, and that's not a Columbus thing, it's, I think, a, a nationwide thing that we're seeing, mm-hmm. uh, that will help us um, in tackling um, some of this violent crime that we're seeing. And for me, it's personal. You know, at 17, I was a victim of gun violence. I was shot at a house party. Um, and that really changed the trajectory of my life. Now, I was lucky that night. Uh, and was able to go home. But there were folks that were at that party that didn't get to go home to their families. And so that sticks with me every single day. And so in addition to what we do on council, we have to also make sure that we are advocating at different levels where we need to. Uh, We know that we have a state legislator um, that refuses to do anything about guns. Hmm. Uh, So we can do all we can here at the city. We can put money into initiatives. We can have the best trained police force. But the point of the matter is there are too many guns on our streets uh, and people have access to them too easily. Um, And so that's really what I think we have to focus on is uh, tackling housing, tackling safety, uh, our transportation system, which we are working on, uh, because it's not simply about bringing jobs here and the growth that's going to happen. The question then becomes, how do we move folks around our city? Mm -hmm. How in an equitable way, uh, in a way, in a dignified way, um, and so really we're focused on Link Us, which is an initiative that is going to bring high capacity bus rapid uh, transit uh, to the city, uh, which we're really, really excited about. 
Um, and so it's working on those kinds of initiatives because it's not simply um, about um, how to get to a job, but it's also about how do you experience the city? How are you able to move around uh, to go to that doctor's appointment, to go to uh, take your kid to daycare, right? Um, and then last but not least, education is always top of mind. Um, as you know, the school board is separate from the city, mm -hmm. uh, but we consider ourselves a partner to them. And so I think it's making sure that we're investing in our, um, our neighborhoods and investing in our young folks outside of school, right? The challenges that they face uh, in their school buildings, right, from 7.30 to 2.30, I say, is what's happening from 2.30 to 7.30. Mm -hmm. They carry that with them into the school. Uh, and so we have to make sure that we are partnering alongside our district to make sure that our families, because uh, it's not just about the student, it's about the family, the mm -hmm. whole family when we talk about education, that they have uh, the resources and opportunities that they need to thrive uh, in our city. And so I think, you know, those are big challenges. Mm -hmm. um, but I would tell folks this all the time. I'd rather be dealing with these challenges in a growing city uh, that has, I think, the momentum that has the resources to tackle them than in cities that are struggling, mm -hmm. quite frankly. Um, and so growth is going to be, I think, the thing that defines who we are moving forward, but we get to define it, and it's up to us to shape that and to do that. Uh, and I believe that I'm experienced, and I believe that there's a team of us um, that are really being um, bold uh, in how we move the city forward and how we think about the next generation. Talk me through how you feel about the new districting system. It's great. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, so I guess for folks, so let's point. Let's point set. out earlier, right? You are the uh, you and Lourdes are the two candidates, right? That just won. Yeah. Election. Mm -hmm. And now you're having to rerun again. Right. Uh, so that's a negative impact to you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Objectively. Yeah. Right. Uh, but talk about sort of we're now going to be represented by folks geographically. Uh, how do you feel about how that's all structured? Yeah, you know, it is a unique system. And I think to level set um, so everyone listening understands that we are uh, right now we are a council of seven, mm -hmm. all at large, meaning that everyone in the city gets to vote for us. Uh, we get to live anywhere that we want to in the city. Um, and that has served. Uh, I think our community well, but we are a growing city and things are changing. And I believe that government is an evolving organism, that it evolves over time. The, I mean, when we think about what democracy is, it is the great experiment, uh, but it is also an evolution, right, of mm -hmm. the people and how they want to be governed. And I think that is what makes us different, right? It makes democracy, one, messy, <laughs> mm -hmm. but two, unique in the way that it is able to uh, respond and react to the people's needs. Um, so what we're going to be, what we will go through that the voters voted on uh, in 2016, uh, I believe it was, if I remember the year correctly, uh, is that we will expand council from seven members to nine, mm -hmm. uh, and that's kind of in line with the city's population, right? We're at about 900,000 people, so you would have um, a one representative for every 100,000 people, that's right. similar to the same numbers at the state house. Uh, so we expand from seven to nine, but we also go to districts. Uh, now, what's unique about our system is we call it districts at large, meaning that I have to live in a certain district, which is District 5, mm -hmm. uh, on the near east side. That's also the best district in the city. Good to uh, know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
but you have to live in a certain district, but you're still voted on by the entire city. And I think that the philosophy around that is one of, yes, I want a representative on my side of town that understands my issues intimately, um, that I know that I can point to and pick up the phone and call when I do have an issue. Uh, but also this thought process of having someone sit on the dais and when they make decisions, they're making decisions for the best of the entire city, mm-hmm. I think is the philosophy uh, around that. Um, and I, I think it'll be messy. I think it'll be confusing because when you change anything like this, it's going to be confusing. But I think um, that idea of being able to hold all of your elected officials accountable, to be able to have a city that says that we want to think about uh, the, be- the what's good for the entire city, not just my small part of town, right? Because I think that that creates a system um, that you know, infuses equity into the conversation in that every voice from every side of the city is heard. Uh, but also at the end of the day, when we make a decision, it is for the best of the entire city. Uh, so it is unique. Um, it is, there's not many other cities in the country uh, that have this model, especially not cities our size. Yeah, I think Portland is the only comparable, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and so I think that voters uh, will be confused for a little bit Mm-hmm. Um, there are some candidates that are confused, <laughs> I will tell you that. But we have to, you know, I think it is one of the things that this was voted on by the voters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we have to see how it works. But again, the great thing is <clears throat> if if we know if we, we need to tweak it, the voters can do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And we have the ability to do that. And so I'm excited um, to be uh, representing District 5, but I'm more excited to continue to shape and represent all the residents of Columbus. Um, and so I think that. Um, you know, when you think of true district systems and you think about other cities, mm-hmm. um, we know this. It's divisive. Um, it is pitting neighborhoods against neighborhoods, neighbors against neighbors, uh, right? And then folks making decisions that necessarily you, that may impact your side of the town that you don't get to have a say, mm-hmm. right, in who that person is or, or even changing uh, who um, represents you. Uh, and so it is unique, um, and I think that it is uh, something that we'll see will hopefully serve the people of Columbus. I believe um, that the idea of thinking about the best interest of the entire city is always should be top of mind uh, for anyone. Do you think, and I asked up to this point, uh, I've only interviewed one other currently seated council member, uh, and I asked him this, do you think that this new district system will affect constituent services at all? No. You don't? No. And, and the reason why I say that is because, again, we're still elected at large. Right. When we get to council, you still are assigned committees, right? And so we're mm-hmm. still not, we won't just necessarily represent a geography. We'll still have committees that, and work that we oversee and that we are responsible for, right? So right now I chair economic development, small minority business and technology. Right, I'll continue to have uh, departments and committees in addition to also being the voice uh, for District 5. Gotcha. Uh, last big question, what's the value proposition you bring to your candidacy? Basically, why should people vote for you? Yeah, you know, for me, I think it's about experience. Um, and it is, um, we are in a city in unprecedented time. Uh, unprecedented growth and unprecedented opportunities before us. 
And I think at the helm, we need folks who are ready to govern, folks that are ready and committed uh, to the city. You know, my vision um, and why I ran the first time is still my why and centered. It was about accountability, accessibility, and trust. It is about being accountable to the people of Columbus, uh, making sure that City Hall in my office in particular is accessible to everyone, and also about restoring trust in our, in our government. Uh, and this is not about a city hall or a city thing. It's about all of our institutions. Um, and I think that we have to continue to always work towards that. And that's what I'm still centered on and continue to do. Uh, and so for me, uh, it is about experiences, about being ready to lead. Uh, it is about seizing this opportunity that we have um, because we can't take our foot off the gas. The growth is here. Change is here. Uh, and I think if we don't have folks who are ready to lead uh, and don't have the experience, uh, that that could be very catastrophic for um, our city. Uh, and additionally, I think for me, my value proposition is what I said at the top of this. It's personal for me. This is my home. Mm -hmm. um, and I really want to ensure uh, that it's more sustainable, that it's more equitable for Xavier's generation. Thinking about things generationally, to meet this moment, we have to have big, bold solutions, uh, right? And that requires to be able to navigate government, to be able to understand constituencies' concerns, and to govern for everyone, uh, regardless. So for those that vote for me and for those that don't vote for me. Um, and I think that's what I'm committed to. Big, bold things like and continuing the work that we have done already in economic development, uh, for instance. We know um, abate, uh, tax incentives are a really hot-button issue, mm -hmm. uh, and they're tough. But under my leadership, what we have changed is if you want any type of tax incentive from the city uh, for jobs, right, for jobs that we create, the minimum wage has to be $20 an hour now. Mm -hmm. Before that, it was 15 um, And $20 an hour, you know, puts us at a place where I think we're still competitive, but you know, what we, who we are competing with when we talk about these economic opportunities, it's not Chicago. It's not New York, right? It's our neighbors right in Grove City mm -hmm. or right here in the region. And so um, our tax base uh, and how we fund the city is through income tax. And so making sure that we, as we attract um, business to the region because we know the region is hot. I want those jobs and those opportunities to be for my people here in the city of Columbus. And I want that tax revenue to be here in the city of Columbus so we can continue to do great things like have recreation centers and have um, some of the best firefighters, right, in the mm -hmm. country, right, to be able to fund those, those city services um, that make our city so great. And so making sure, but also at the same time, I believe in our people and that if we invest in them, um, that they um, are our greatest asset. And so for me, making sure that folks are getting paid what they deserve, 20 bucks an hour, but also in that, in order for you to see, receive any uh, incentive from the city, you have to provide health care, mm -hmm. and you have to provide some type of retirement, uh, right? Because we believe that the quality of life uh, for our residents matters, right? And that happens through policy. Now, not every job that comes to the city gets an incentive, Mm -hmm. But we're taking a stance to say that if you're going to receive any type of incentive from the city, you got to pay $20 an hour. In small and minority business, I want to continue to build on the work that we're doing there. I'm really excited um, about some of the initiatives uh, that I have championed uh, and funded, uh, particularly around our minority businesses, 
And so right now we have something that I've invested in and expanded called the Urban um, the um, Urban Business Connection, which is a partnership between the Columbus Urban League and our Columbus Chamber. Uh, it has expanded now to 100. When I inherited it, it was 30. It was a pilot. There was 30 businesses. It was great. But now there's 100 black-owned businesses that have membership to the chamber, but also expanded services uh, like marketing, HR support, technical um, assistance. Uh, and what's beautiful about that is there's so many stories of businesses that expanded hmm. or opened up a new location, right, or now have a new client base. Uh, there's one individual uh, who makes sauces. His sauce has now been picked up by a major retailer, right? Hmm. And it's about creating those access points and those opportunity points for people that have not, have been left behind, all right? And so when we talk about small business, that is a way for us to create generational wealth uh, for folks and to make sure that it's sustainable. And so really what we're focused on in small and minority business uh, is sustainability. You know, I tell folks all the time, I love going to ribbon cuttings, right? It's my probably one of the best parts of the job, right? Because nobody asks you any hard questions. You just smile. You cut a ribbon. Everybody loves you that day. Right. But what breaks my heart is a year later if that business's door is closed. We've done them a disservice. And so we have to continue to invest and build an ecosystem that small businesses are able to thrive and sustain in our city, all right? It's not just enough just for us to have a great atmosphere that people can start a business. I want them to be able to sustain that business. Uh, additionally, in... Um, the small and minority business piece, we're working on a downtown marketplace that I'm really excited about. So this would create uh, a suite of incentives and funding to get minority and women-owned businesses in downtown. Uh, I believe that downtown Columbus is going to, to come back. I believe that we're having more residents move down here and that it is the heart uh, of the city. But if it comes back, it has to reflect the diversity mm -hmm. of our community. All right. And so we have to make sure that we remove those hurdles and those barriers to being in downtown and doing business, uh, particularly, again, for minority and women owned businesses that have been left out in many cases. And so we're going to be rolling that out later this year. We have the funding um, secured. We have all of uh, our pieces lined up now. So I'm excited about that. And what it will do is provide initial uh, tenant improvement dollars to those small businesses. That is to help get the rents lower. So, so tenant, um, tenant improvements uh, basically are monies put into uh, the build out of their space, mm -hmm. uh, right? That is going to be capital dollars that we have set aside for that. The second part of it, which is great, is, is going to be master leasing and a rental guarantee. Um, so what this will do is allow us to work with a, one master leaser who would work with the downtown property owners um, and they would negotiate the leases on behalf of those small businesses. Hmm. In addition to that, what we would, what we're proposing, what will happen is in year one, uh, that small business will only pay 50% uh, of the lease. The city will do the other 50. In year two, uh, they'll pay 70% of the lease. The city will pay 30. And then in year three, they'll pay 90% of the lease a year, and the city will pay 10%. And the idea behind that is to really give folks that chance to ramp up, mm -hmm. to build a clientele, to be able to be successful. And so by year four, they're able to be a flourishing uh, business and be able to um, take over that entire lease. And then last but not least, because we heard this loud and clear from folks, is making sure they have the wraparound and technical assistance necessary through all three years. Mm -hmm. uh, and so really excited about... Um, uh, our partners that are coming on there that will help these businesses with everything from marketing to, um, to tech support to HR, 
uh, to legal support. Because many times when businesses close, they don't necessarily close because they have a bad product. Mm-hmm. They close it many times because they don't have all the ancillary and the back office things situated. And so we want to make sure that they are set up for success um, and that they are going to be sustainable as well. Um, and then last but not least, building on our work in technology. I think it is really critically important when I talk about access accountability and trust one of the ways that you access the city is through its website Mm -hmm. and in last year's budget we secured money to overhaul the entire city website and i'm really excited because it will be rolling out this year the new website will be Uh, and that is just that that may may seem small to some folks but it's huge it's a huge way you should when you go to our website you should be able to navigate it easily Mm -hmm. you should be able to get in contact with your officials very easily Right. And the website that we had, it served us well. I will say I remember uh, the website that was before this one. Okay. Uh, so it's not as bad, um, but the new website will do just that. But also we've been working on uh, things around the digital divide. Uh, and I really want to make sure that we continue to build on that. This idea of making sure that we connect every resident, believe it or not, in the 14th largest city in America, there are still folks that don't have access to high speed Internet. Mm hmm. And they're particularly our low-income residents. Uh, And so we want to make sure that we are utilizing the city's infrastructure and backbone for fiber Mm -hmm. to not just deliver broadband to houses, but to make sure they have high-speed Internet. Internet now is a utility. Mm -hmm. It is like water. It's like electricity. I mean, if you don't have access to it, then you are missing out on a big part in being able to even operate in this economy. So we want to make sure that that no one gets left behind. And so I want to build on that work. So that's my value proposition, is that we have been doing work uh, for a year and six months now. (laughs) Um, And I want to continue to build on that work and continue to strengthen uh, our economy so that everyone sees themselves in it and to make sure that we have small businesses that are sustainable and to make sure that we have uh, access uh, to broadband so that the next generation is prepared and ready for what is coming. That is the type of community that we have to build, that everyone sees themselves in the prosperity of our city. We are a growing city. We, I believe, are one of the best cities. But if everyone doesn't feel that, then we are not the Columbus that we want to be. And that is a Columbus where everyone shares. Um, And so that's my vision, and I think continuing to build upon that is really what I want to continue to do. And that's why I'm running for re-election. But more importantly, I'm running for re-election because of that little boy. I want to make sure uh, that he has a city that he can be proud of when he grows up. I end every interview with two simple questions with short answers. (laughs) Uh, What do you think Columbus is doing well? And what do you think Columbus is doing not so well? Man, that's a a hard one. Um, I think... What Columbus is, um, what we're doing well is uh, having the tough conversations. Okay. Um, I think when when we think about things like um, housing, uh, policing, uh, these are not easy conversations, um, and there is no silver bullet to it. Um, So I think what we have done well is that we um, have set a stage and a table where all people get to have that discussion, whether they be uh, community, everyday residents, corporate leaders, elected leaders, to really tackle the big issues um, that we have. And then Uh, what are we not doing so well? I think what we have to work on 
is moving uh, with speed. Okay. It's not enough just to have the conversation. We're now at a place where we have to uh, make action and take action on some of these things. Um, and so I think we're blessed, to, again, to be in a community that folks are having those conversations. But we, we have the studies. Mm-hmm. We know what needs to be done. And now we have to go do it. Nick, thanks for your time. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite elected official. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our producer is Philip Cogley. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week.